There are a few topics we get asked about quite a bit, and some of them might seem obvious to you. Loss of a spouse, loss of a child, but one might surprise you, and that's the topic of sexual betrayal. In fact, I was surprised to learn that four of our top 10 most listened to episodes are on the topic of sexual betrayal, which tells me that it's a very prevalent issue, and it also tells me that there aren't very many resources out there to date. I mean, one of the most devastating things that can happen in a marriage is to find out that your spouse has in any way been unfaithful, whether it's a pornography addiction or an actual affair. Not just navigating sexual betrayal and all the muddiness involved in your marriage, but finding healing in the ongoing fallout of the deception can seem quite impossible. But no matter what happens in your relationship, there is hope. On Thursday, October 20th, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, we will be hosting a live masterclass with our very own Nothing Is Wasted certified coach, Carissa Sprinkle. This masterclass is called Broken Vows, Experiencing Wholeness and Healing After Sexual Betrayal. Now, if you don't know her, you can hear Carissa's journey after learning that her husband, Cameron, had been unfaithful. In the beautiful redemption story God brought out of so much brokenness, in episodes 79 and 80 of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Now, those episodes were recorded a while ago, and their story has since taken on even more complicated and beautiful dynamics. Cameron and Carissa have become wonderful, dear friends of ours, and there's not a better person, I believe, in my opinion, to teach on this topic than Carissa Sprinkle. Now, in this upcoming masterclass, Carissa is going to share with us how to heal from the trauma of sexual betrayal, what forgiveness is and what it isn't, navigating friendships and faith struggles while in recovery, and more. Joining this masterclass is easy and free. All you have to do is sign up at nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass. We'll have a link right here in the show notes. Once you register, you'll receive an email that will tell you exactly how to join the live event on October 20th. Now, if you can't make it on October 20th, but you want to catch the replay, all of our Masterclass replays are available exclusively to our Community Plus members for just $20 a month or $200 a year. There you can access all of our Nothing Is Wasted content library, including past Masterclasses, curated pathways, like the one on sexual betrayal, which is released, live coaching replays, mini courses, bonus episodes, and so much more. Join Community Plus today by going to nothingiswasted.com slash community plus or clicking the link in the show notes. Sexual betrayal is something no one ever plans for when they say, I do. But we know that even in the midst of that pain, God can bring healing and restoration when the pieces of your heart seem forever shattered. Join us for this special live masterclass with Carissa Sprinkle on October 20th. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Davey, and we are so glad that you're joining us today. Mm -hmm. We're glad that you join us every week as we release these wonderful conversations with amazing guests who are sharing their stories of how God is showing up in their pain. And uh, we're doing this because we want to encourage you, whatever pain point that you are in right now, no matter what you're experiencing, whatever kind of trauma, tragedy, or major life transition, God is showing up there, and we want to give you 
kind of the, the lens to be able to see him in That's your right. story. And so many times we can just hear other people's stories and how God's shown up in their lives and we can be an inspired and it can it can kind of tune our eyes a little bit. What do you say? Focus our eyes, I guess. Yeah, not tune our, tune our ears, focus tune our, our eyes. Tune our ears and focus our eyes yeah. to be able to see God in our own stories. Um, today we yeah. have a, a conversation with Blake Williams. Um, Aubrey, you are, are more familiar with than just a guest on our podcast, right? Yeah, Blake is a, a friend of ours, especially a friend of my uh, husband, Kevin's. We were at a church called Mission Church years ago where we were doing like our church planting residency. They're really blessed and sent us to plant our church, Renewal Church, and uh, got to know Blake from Renewal at that time. He's um, he's has a nonprofit that he started called Battle Tested that serves mm-hmm. high school uh, college sports teams. Even just yeah. like uh, Kevin's done some battle tested events. It's like leadership development, character right. development. It's training. He's really an he's an athlete kind of guy, really really right. strong guy. But part of his really the devastation of his story is that his wife uh, Hope committed suicide in 2021, and I didn't know yeah. Hope. Well, but Kevin knew her and um, I, you know, it's not been that long. Right. Um, And so because of that, Blake does talk a lot. He talks transparently about suicide, but then encourages the rest of us to talk transparently about it and has a has a really I mean, you hate to say a fresh perspective on suicide because that's not right. But yeah. He has a very personal perspective and, very personal. and it's new. Yeah. Yes. And, and it is, it is very fresh in his life right now. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we have conversations with people who are looking back on the tragedy in their life, you know, years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that was like last week with Jerry Sitzer, right? right. I mean, years ago, right. this happened and he's able to kind of talk about it in a removed sort of way. And then sometimes we have conversations with people while they're still in the middle of it. Yeah. And that's intentional because we want you guys to understand how how we want you to see someone wrestling with something in the middle of it mm-hmm. so that you can be encouraged to wrestle with it and wrestle sometimes like even out loud with a yeah. safe, trusted person, a counselor, yeah, a coach while you're in the middle of it. And so Blake's going to do that with us right here. And he's going to, you know, it's amazing how God in a lot of ways prepared him with what he was doing in terms of performance coaching, right? Leadership coaching mm-hmm. and how some of those principles were able to be transferable into his own life where they fell short, but also where they also, you know, where they helped. And he kind of talks a little bit about that throughout this conversation. So um, let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Blake Williams. Well, Blake, it's so great to have you joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Davey. My honor. Happy to be here. Well, man, I know that off air, we were talking about a little bit of just ways that our paths have crossed in some you know, form or fashion. I know that you are a former resident of Alabama. Come on. That's right. Great state. <laughs> Anytime that I can get especially a Tide fan on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, you know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a couple Auburn fans on this too, and I, it's, you know, there's been always a little bit of a tension in the A little bit, but I've got love for them. I've got love for them. <laughs> well, man, before we dive into your story, because you have quite a story, uh, you know, some, some, some pain and some tragedy that you've experienced recently, but also just a 
kind of a story leading up to all of that um, that you've experienced in your childhood. I, I'd love for you to sh- share just a little bit about you right now. Where do you mm-hmm. live? Kind of what do you do? Like what is, give us a little bit of context for Blake Williams before we dive into, you know, kind of what has made who you are right now. Sure. Yeah. At this present moment, uh, as of December of last year, I'm full-time on staff at my church, which is Mission Church in Bloomingdale, Illinois. We planted that church almost 11 years ago and I've uh, gotten to see it grow and thrive uh, throughout the pandemic even uh, to see the a church continue to grow. It's been awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm the connections director, making sure that the new guests that come in uh, feel welcome and they get plugged in and, and hopefully find a church home. I also am a father of five, and I am an author, a professional speaker, so I I wear a lot of hats. Uh, I'm also wow. the president of a nonprofit that I started back in 2012 that called Battle Tested, which serves high school and college sports teams, team building, leadership development, character development. Wow, wow. I'm, I'm assuming you have some kind of a sports background then, if that's what kind of the, the field that you, you know. Yes and no. I, I dabbled in the sports. I was a late bloomer, never did much in high school as far as, you know, I, I was the runt in high school. I grew five inches and gained 50 pounds when I went to college. So <laughs> uh, bloomed a little too late for any significant sports, but loved playing them, love what we learned from them. Learn, I uh, love how they love, uh, I love how they teach you about life and really prepare yeah. you for life. Yeah. Adversity you face in life, the importance of working as a team. So, yeah, that's great. That's great. I know I keep trying to encourage my eight, my, well, eight-year-old son, Weston. He is just, he's small. He's the smallest in his class, yeah. always has been. He's kind of got that, I'm like, buddy, you're going to be a late bloomer. It's okay. Just keep getting some, you know, grit, determination, yep. tenacity. It's okay. Keep persevering and despite, uh, you know, the, 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 the hardship that you're facing with this. And so you're right. I, I appreciate sports as, as that. And I appreciate the people that kind of intersected my life with the same kind of stuff that you do or that you've done in terms of helping us to to bridge the gap between what is what are we learning here on the field that really is preparing us for life yep. because there is so much of a crossover right there and that you and, said um, the key word preparation like it's that's what battle test was created for to help prepare people for the battles they're going to face in life you're going to face yeah. them on the field yeah but man you're going to face them a lot more in life <laughs> yeah yeah well and you know that firsthand like, yep. I mean, you know, part of your childhood kind of prepared you for what you were doing with with that organization. But also recently you have faced some pretty significant battles. I'd love for you to share um, kind of some of your story recently. And then we, I want to dive back to into some of your childhood. So yeah. why don't you talk about what you guys have been um, just walking through recently? Yeah, the recent tragedy has been uh, Mar- uh, March 7th of last year. I was serving at church. I had said goodbye to the fam. I dropped my two youngest daughters off at uh, dance class, kissed my wife goodbye. My uh, middle son, who was 16 at the time, uh, left him home alone uh, with her. Uh, my two older kids were away at college, and so I went to serve at the church. And as I'm serving during the second service, I get a, a phone call from my son, uh, Hudson, and he's in tears. Dad, I need you to come home right now. I really can't get anything else out and uh, then a police officer gets on the line and says, hey, Mr. Williams, I'm here at your house. Uh, your wife is un- unresponsive. You need to get home quickly but safely. And that's all she said. And I, of course, bolted uh, out the door, uh, headed home, uh, got there, and I see the whole you know, emergency crews out there outside my house, police, ambulance, fire, uh, walk in, uh, and I see, again, the son Hudson with— Police officers, paramedics, 
And uh, the first thing he says to me as he runs up to me is, I'm sorry. I'm like, what are you, what are you sorry about? Um, mm. And long story short, I comes to find out, I come to find out that while uh, he was leaving to go to the gym to work out, he was an, ath- an athlete, baseball player, going to the gym for a workout, uh, goes to find his mom to say goodbye, and he finds her uh, in the attic, uh, and she had hung herself. Um, he did everything he should have done. He grabs her limp body, gets her down off the noose, uh, gets her on the ground, calls 911, does CPR, does everything he could, uh, but it was too late. Uh, he, we lost her that day, um, and that's why he was apologizing. He was apologizing for not getting there sooner. He felt it was it was his fault. So, uh, yeah. So we've all uh, uh, been just over a year now. You know, lost you know my wife of twenty six years and a mother of five, and so just trying to navigate life uh, without without her. Wow, man, gosh. Like, I mean, you know, even knowing your story prior to us jumping on this, but hearing you talk about it, it just hits you. It impacts me in a very different way, you know. Um, oh, I, I, I don't even know how you you sort through something like that. You know, five kids, um, you know, your wife of 26 years, and, you know, she's she, you, you, in, in one moment, she's gone. And then also wrestling with, you know, even even the way that she passed away. Yeah. It's just, can you can you talk to me a little bit? I mean, I know, especially in the immediate aftermath of things, I'm sure there's a lot of shock. But then as you're starting to untangle this and wrestle through some of the, how do you even start unpacking this? Mm, yeah. <laughs> the, the short answer is one day at a time. It, it literally, you know, I was overwhelmed and it, yeah. largely with the idea of responsibility. Like, how am I going to raise these five kids on my own without that companion of mine who was helping me do that? And so I found myself, if I would think too far ahead in the future, I just would get overwhelmed, full of anxiety, and shut down. And I never struggled with anxiety yeah. before. Uh, but it's been that just like daily. Like, okay, God, you you tell me about daily bread. You promise that. Give me my daily bread and just help me to focus on today and what I have to do today. But as the days passed, I certainly began to... Now, Davey, I, I knew my wife was unhappy. It wasn't like it was a, a total shock. She had been unhappy for years. When I say unhappy, she, like, she was unhealthy. She was unhealthy spiritually. She had pushed the church away for probably the, the five years before she passed. Um, she pushed her family away in many regards. Um, she was physically unhealthy. She was down to 70 pounds when she passed. Um, she lost a ton of weight. Her body wasn't uh, digesting food the right way, the doctors said. They thought maybe it's a form of cancer. There's just a lot of things going on in her life and um, dealing with some emotional stuff from her childhood as well. So it just was a lot. So if you look back, okay, I'm not too surprised that that was her choice, that she did that. Mm-hmm. Still devastating, still shocking, but okay. Yeah. But as we, you know, as the days passed, you know, more things unraveled that I learned um, that I don't want to disclose. I want to, yeah. you know, protect my wife's reputation. But there's yeah. other things that were going on in her life that um, caused her to do what she did. And, and really, she had lost hope. Uh, her name was Hope Davy, and unfortunately, she lacked that. And uh, wow. yeah, she just didn't see a way to a brighter future than what she was experiencing which is heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and of course, I feel in 
some ways very responsible for that. Well, I'm, I'm her husband. I'm supposed to be helping provide that life that she's looking for and that helping her thrive and be happy and just wasn't able to do that. Wasn't yeah. able to do that. Yeah, I know that's a, it's a sense of responsibility that all of mm-hmm. us feel as husbands, right, is yeah. wanting to be able to provide the life for our wife that kind of we, in some ways, you know, you, you discover it's the life that you've kind of dreamed up for your wife and your family. And and there's sometimes, oftentimes, there's a there's an um, there's an incongruency there, right? That you're not able to, and yeah, and it's not even your fault. As you come to realize it, it's like there's there's nothing. Sometimes you sit too too close of a seat to be able to be that person to mm. kind of help your spouse, your significant other, untangle some of the things that they're wrestling through, right? Yeah, and it's so, really up to us, uh, each individual, to find happiness. You know, it's yeah. not my responsibility to make my wife happy. Sure, I'd love to, and sure, I've done things yeah. that have led to happiness and joy throughout our twenty-six years. But ultimately, you know, happiness in life is something that we have to find within ourselves. And she just was yeah. never able to do that. Man, yeah, that's one of the probably the biggest struggles and dilemmas. With you know, we've talked to other guests who have lost loved ones to to suicide and I, you know, as they've kind of testified, that's, that's probably one of the biggest wrestlings internally is that sense of the tension, the dilemma between the sense of like responsibility and regret and, you know, guilt, but then also this, like having to recognize that your loved one is their own person. They have their own personhood. Yeah. How, how have you, how have you wrestled through that? I'd love for you to kind of dive into that a little bit because I know there are people who are listening to this, you know, we're coming up on actually suicide awareness month in September. And there's a lot of people who this is going to bring up things from their past and they're wrestling through the emotions of this. Yeah. Um, And and we who are left behind, um, (laughs) we struggle, right? It's, it's a struggle to try to not blame yourself. What more could I have done? What, what signs did I miss? What, what should I have done differently? to have helped prevent that. And unfortunately, it's something we have to deal with. We ask those questions, but we have to really release ourselves of responsibility. You know, we, we are not responsible for the decisions of someone else. Uh, my childhood, which I know we're going to get into, uh, and the decisions my parents made, um, they're not responsible for any decision that I or any of the other kids in the family would have made. Sure, decisions that we make influence people, they affect people in good ways and bad ways, and they affect us, and they might drive us into certain behaviors, but ultimately, you know, each individual is responsible for that. And so I've had to work hard, and sometimes it's daily, of not taking ownership of the decision my wife made. She was a grown woman um, of of mostly sound mind. Yes, she was struggling mentally in some ways, but you know, she, it was her decision. She knew what she was doing. And um, maybe she didn't think it fully out of how uh, we would suffer as a result, but she did what she did. And so it's just really, I think that constant reminder and letting God remind me as well through scripture that you know, I can't take ownership of that. My best plan in life right now and my biggest need is to be a great dad to my kids. Yeah. And to be a present parent. And so that needs to be my focus, not about the past and what could I have done, should I have done differently, uh, where did I fail. 
that kind of thinking just isn't going to help me be what I need to be now. Um, uh, too many people in life, and I've been guilty of it, let their history be their enemy instead of letting mm-hmm. their history be their ally. And I wow. have done a pretty good job, I like to think, lately of just letting my history be my ally. Let it teach me. It's got things I can learn from it, but I don't want to dwell on it. I just want to take the nuggets I can learn, move forward. How can I be better? How can I be a better dad, uh, better employee at Mission Church, whatever it is? Yeah. Wow. I love that. Let your history be your ally, not your your enemy. Yeah. Not the thing that holds you back from really experiencing the fullness of your destiny in Christ, but absolutely the thing that prepares you for that. I'm guilty, right? And you're probably guilty too. At times in our life, we've let our history hold us back from being really what God intends for us to be. Wow. Well, I want to dive into your history here in a second, but I also wonder too, as we're talking about this, I mean, you're on staff at a church, you know, we have conversations all the time where, you know, there's the, there's the arm of our ministry that works with pastors and church leaders, and we launch the pain to purpose course in churches. And so we're trying to help pastors and church leaders be equipped to you know, help create safe spaces for people to unpack their pain. But, you know, I do know being a pastor myself and being a lot of different church environments that uh, the mindset that you're approaching this with, you know, losing your wife to suicide can often be a mindset, with, you know, when you kind of start thinking like, okay, the she, she, she was her own person and she knew the decision that she was making. Sometimes that mindset doesn't fit within the construct of the church because of stigma. Mm. especially surrounding suicide. I wonder how you have kind of walked through that and, and, and navigated that, you know, and what no, what from the very start. Yeah. Thanks for asking. From the very start, Davey, I've been transparent. Um, mm. And so many people have, have replied, whether it was social media posts that I made or in church, in a public forum where I've spoken People just say, I appreciate how vulnerable you are and how you don't try to hide the fact that my wife committed suicide, Uh, that you don't, uh, like some people don't even like to use the word suicide, right? Well, she took her life, you know, right? it it was suicide. You know, we can use the word and it's, again, it's it's not my first rodeo in this and we'll get into that. Um, But I've I've learned that it helps to talk about it and because there's, I've yet to meet a person, I think, who has uh, not been exposed to suicide in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Whether it was a close relative, a friend, um, a, a friend of a friend who they then try to help console the friend who lost someone. So it just happens too prevalently to pretend it doesn't happen, to try yeah. to sugarcoat it. it. It is what it is. It's a horrible thing. And I'm so thankful for Suicide Awareness Month and, and things that people out there are trying to do to help shed light onto it. I participated in an, an, an out-of-the-darkness overnight walk years ago, 20 miles in downtown Chicago. And they, they say we do it in the night and we finish it at dawn because it, we're trying to bring suicide into the light. So many people just mm-hmm. try to hide it. Oh, it's that embarrassing thing that happened in our family. Let's keep it quiet. Let's brush it on the rug. And that doesn't do a service to anyone. Yeah. Do you have any insight, you know, as, um, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, mental unhealth right, right now, especially in the conversations starting to be brought into the light over the past 10 years, thankfully, I think over the, especially over the past three years. I mean, I think 
we all know this, we've said this before, even on the show, that COVID really shed the light on a lot of that. That pressure kind of squeezed some of this mental unhealth out, stuff that people were suppressing or or that were they were laying dormant for a little while. And now it's exposed. We saw, you know, anxiety, depression, suicide rates, those begin to be elevated throughout the whole experience. Isolation was a big conversation, people being isolated. And so this is getting into the conversation, but do you have any insight in, you know, in terms of like someone who's listening right now, they have a family member they know is struggling with some severe mental unhealth and maybe has even mentioned the idea of taking their own life. What, what would you say as someone who is kind of in that caretaking type situation or observing this or someone they, you know, that, how, how do we care for someone that we love in that situation? Yeah. First and foremost, it's got to be taken seriously. Even if uh, someone says something kind of jokingly, uh, which sometimes uh, I've seen that happen where they kind of, ah, oh, I just, you know, it, almost as an aside, like, oh, I would never do it, but man, I, I just wish I could end it all. I wish, like every comment I think we need to take seriously and, especially with someone that's close to us, we need to start asking questions back. Is this something that you think you would seriously do? Um, I think just trying to uh, have conversation, open dialogue, to get a feel for, is this something that I need to worry about as a friend, as a family member? Uh, but mental health, as you said, is a, at an all-time high mental health issues. Uh, my wife certainly had that, and she for the longest time, would not get help. And in the latter stages, of maybe the last couple of years ago, she was getting some help. I think it was a little too little too late. But uh, we need to intervene in some way and perhaps and, and really force someone's hand if we can. Hey, we're going to get help. Uh, I can't just let you say these things and not take some action. Because imagine the, the guilt you might have if you didn't, right? If they, hey, they told you, they confided in you that, hey, this is something I might do, and you never did anything about it, I would feel horrific if that were my case. So we need to to intervene, and, and there's plenty of help out there. There's plenty of ways to get help, and we've got to make sure that people are getting the help that they need, which is difficult, but it, it's worth it, right? Yeah. So many lives yeah. are lost, and the aftermath is horrific. So, yeah, I'm super passionate about trying to when people voice anything that makes you that red flag pops up. Okay. Let's find a way to get help. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So good. Well, you know, the, the, the things that we go through, some of the, sometimes these big tragedies that we go through, um, they begin to surface or uncover, you know, past latent trauma that we've experienced, whether we've dealt with that trauma or not, you know, early childhood trauma. I know that's part of, your journey and your story as well is that you've experienced quite a bit of trauma in your childhood that, you know, maybe is being exposed during this. Maybe it's starting to, you know, it's kind of surfacing as well during this, but maybe has also prepared you for this. Can you talk a little bit about what you experienced, um, you know, in your, in your youth that, that kind of has really helped and maybe in some ways to but like what, you know, prepare you, but also, maybe you're wrestling with still, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Every story has a beginning. Every book's got a first chapter. And so the really the first chapter in my life, uh, born in small town, rural Alabama, to uh, parents who were got pregnant 
in end of high school, married right afterwards because that's the right thing to do. I had four kids. I was the youngest of four, and they had four kids within a span of about six years. So a lot of mouths to feed, uh, no real job skills. Um, according to my, my mom, my dad was out wheeling and dealing often. Uh, don't really know what that meant, but he must not have been very good at it because he kept getting caught and he get put in jail for his wheeling and dealing. Uh, and so he was just absent, even when he wasn't in, in jail. He was just absent, didn't want to be a dad. Um, wasn't too interested in the kids that he had he'd born. So he was absent. I've got a, a mom who's trying to raise four kids, her two younger brothers, and her two alcoholic parents lived with us. And again, very little income, getting kicked out of one trailer home, moving into another trailer home. So just a lot of instability and in that there was uh, a lack of food. My mom tells stories of how she sometimes had to, get, had to feed me sugar water when I was an infant just wow. to try to pacify me um, because there was just a lack of money. So there was malnutrition. There was you know some forms of abuse. There was drugs, alcohol, guns in the home. Um, just it was a mess. It was a dysfunctional family. And thankfully, and I can say thankfully now, thankfully it, it split up. When I was around three, my uh, great aunt Martha from a neighboring town, Talladega, Alabama. If you're an NASCAR fan, you know Talladega. Mm-hmm. Um, took us in about 30 minutes away from where I was raised. And and that was supposed to be temporary. It was a temporary situation. My mom would get that great job one day and, and reunite the family. Uh, but oftentimes what's you know thought to be temporary becomes permanent. My mom met another guy. My mom was a beautiful lady. And uh, another guy came calling. And I'm sure she was looking for stability and security at a time in her life where she didn't have it. And uh, this guy offered an opportunity to move to Florida and kind of start over. He had a great job lined up in the military. So uh, they were married and moved to Florida. And this guy told her, like, hey, you can, you can bring two. Pick, pick two of your kids. I don't want all four mm-hmm. of your kids because uh, I want kids wow. of my own with you. And if you, you bring all four, I just, we just can't afford that. Wow. So um, unfortunately, my, my mom picked two. And... More unfortunately, my brother Sammy and I, we weren't chosen. Uh, we were the younger two. We were the ones living with Martha in, a, in a really a stable home. And um, wow. in hindsight, it was what was for the best, uh, that I was kind of taken out of that birth family and, and planted in better soil, perhaps, uh, certainly at the time, uh, to be raised in, in, in a better environment. So obviously, if, if you've gone through that, though, yeah. At the time, it's horrific. Like, uh, I have lost my family. Um, yeah. There's no mom. There's no dad. Uh, the people who are supposed to love me most don't seem to. And so, therefore, there's got to be something wrong with me. I am not worthy of, of love. I'm a reject. This is the feelings that a young boy gets when going through something like that. Certainly what my brother wow. and I got from it. So that's kind of where the, the wound started, if you will. Yeah. 
Hi friends, it's Chrissy Blackburn, Davy's wife and co-founder of Nothing Is Wasted. If you guys have been around here for a while at Nothing Is Wasted, you probably heard a bit about my personal journey towards living a healthy lifestyle for myself and my family. So as a physician assistant, I've watched so many people overtaken by chronic illness, disease, unhealth. It was also a part of our own family's journey with an autoimmune disorder that prompted me to take a closer look at the everyday choices we were making and how those decisions were impacting our health. So perhaps you too have found yourself stuck in a cycle of frustration and shame and defeat as you struggle with chronic health conditions, fatigue, or yo-yo dieting. Because I know how difficult that path can be, I wanted to create a resource to empower others like you to take back your health. That's why I'm so excited to invite you to join me in January for my upcoming live online virtual wellness course called Back to the Garden, Holistic Living the Way God Intended. This eight-week course is not your typical health class. I'm so, so passionate about blending both scriptural truths with the scientific facts that help us live a holistic, intentional life when it comes to our whole selves. We wanna get to the root of wellness by taking you back to the garden, the first Garden of Eden, and look at the principles God gave us when it came to caring for our health, mind, body, and soul. In this course, you'll learn holistic, God-given rhythms for living an intentional life, including rhythms around food, around your emotional and spiritual health, and your environment. This course won't prescribe you a one-size-fits-all solution, but will instead give you the tools you need for creating your own simple, easy-to-implement plan that is adaptable to your family's lifestyle. But more than that, you'll get the knowledge you need to make informed decisions and live in freedom when it comes to your health. While I'd love to offer this resource to everyone, I want to be sure to give you the space to interact with me personally and get your questions answered, as well as connect with others walking a similar journey towards health, which is why I've limited the number of spots available for this course. So from now until November 15th, you can register for the Back to the Garden Holistic Living the Way God Intended course by going to www.lindenroots.com course. If you've been overwhelmed with all the information on health and wellness and have wondered how to make the changes in the right direction, this course is for you. Don't let overwhelm stop you from taking back your health and learning the God-given rhythms for living an intentional life. Make plans to join me and others just like you this January as we go back to the garden. So, you know, between, you know, that childhood wound that that first, you know, uh, found its 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 inception in your life, all the way to okay, you're a high functioning adult, and you're, you know, you're helping other people. Was there some time there where you were able to address that wound that, or did that just kind of stay dormant? Was it mm. something? You were, was there was there counseling involved? Was there oh a, an yeah. awareness or a realization of or like what you know? How did that wound? How did you see it begin to play out? in your life. Yeah. And I'll walk you through that journey. Saw it play out early age. I would avoid things. Uh, you know, I wouldn't try out for certain teams. Why? Because I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was a man enough. Uh, I did finally muster the courage my junior year of high school to try out for the football team. And on day two, I got hit really hard one good time and uh, stepped off the sideline and never stepped back in. Because mm. To me, that was affirmation. Oh, right. this is what you thought all along. You're not enough. You're not yeah. big enough, strong enough, whatever enough. You're not enough. So just stay away from those things that are scary. Mm-hmm. So it was a, really a, a young life through young adulthood of avoiding things because I just didn't think I was enough. 
I had a great opportunity to go to grad school. One of my college professors hooked me up with a great opportunity to go to Florida State uh, to get a uh, one of those work scholarship kind of things and uh, work study programs. And I could afford it, honestly, but I was so afraid I lied to her. It's like, no, I, I, sorry, I, I still can't afford it. It's not enough money. Can't make it happen. Yeah. But really, I was just afraid. And then yeah. after I graduated, she has a great job opportunity for me lined up to go to Huntsville to start working in the school. I was going to be a, a PE instructor for handicap. Fear rushed in. Blake, who are you to move to another city where you know no one and think that you can just start teaching handicapped kids who you've never taught before? You're not enough. And so I just continued to hear. And to me, that's Satan's voice. Satan's just telling yeah. us the lies. You're not enough. You're not capable. You're not lovable. You can't do this. Mm. So therefore, stay away. And so I saw that. Yeah, that's been a constant theme really throughout my life. So how did I get from there to where I am now? Uh, and yes, you mentioned counseling, like for five years, I met with starting at the age of 40. So I was kind of late to the game, but I re- eventually was tired of living a life that I just felt was subpar. Like I, mm. I should be experiencing more joy, more success, um, more love in this life. And yet I still just am, feel like I'm being held back yeah. by my past. So I dove into and did work for five years, uh, with a guy wow. and, um, came out the other side, much better prepared. Uh, feel like I'd, yeah, the the wound is there, and I still, you know, Satan still tries to use it. Yeah, but I was yeah. so much better equipped to really uh, recognize that that wound was not my fault. Uh, yeah, what was the first thing, and that I do have some control over how I mm. respond when I hear the voice. I don't have to be the victim all the time. It was very much a victim mentality. I I love to use the statement. I used to think uh, that life happened to me. You know, I was a victim. It just was happening to me, out of my control. Why did that have to happen to me? But no, all along, uh, Davey, life was happening for me, uh, for mm. my benefit. And when I really realized that, that was a game changer for me. Wait a minute. Yeah. You're telling me all these things I went through are, could actually be used for good versus mm. bad. Like, yes. And I've been able to see now throughout this, you know, the last 20 years of my life of how, yeah, God's using these things for good. That's a huge paradigm shift, right? Yeah. Because then all of a sudden, you know, no longer are you just this passive agent in the whole equation when life is happening for you, you know, even the bad, you know, as Genesis 50 says, you meant this for evil, but God means it for good and for the saving of many lives. There's a redemptive plan in all of these bad things or, you know, as we would deem the undesirable things that have happened in our life, then we become, we become kind of more of an active agent. We're partnering with God. Absolutely. To begin to to take back that story and go, okay, well, let's let's write this differently, right? Absolutely. It, it kind of begins to um, erode away that victim mentality, and, and now you have a little bit more of a victory mentality. You know, not to be cliche, Absolutely. but yeah. Um. Wow. Wow. I I think it's really important to underscore too what you just said in terms of the wound hasn't gone away, right? But you're just right. better equipped. You're better mm-hmm. equipped. You know how to yeah. deal with that wound. Yeah, you know, obviously, when my wife did what she did, it, it stirred the wound up. It, it kept yeah, picked up the scab. <laughs> you Talk know? about that a little bit, please. Yeah. yeah, you know, because again, my first thought was because really, David, at a young age, I planted this stake in the ground and said that mm. my family will be different. I don't want my family to go through the breakup that mm. I experienced 
And as I grew up and learned more about my my family on both my mom and dad's side, like it wasn't really pretty. Yeah, there's some great people, but there's a lot of just dysfunction. So talk about generational you know, sin yeah. and, and trauma. Like my family has that. And I wanted to turn the ship and be different. And so I planted a stake in the ground. Hey, this my, my family will be different, right? We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna serve God and we're gonna stay together and we're gonna be great. And then this happens. And it's like Satan just came along and knocked my stake over. Like, mm-hmm. what are you thinking? I still own you. And uh mm-hmm. and it was devastating. Yeah. And right away, it's like he's picking at that scab. Yeah. Told you weren't good enough. She didn't even want to live with you. She took yeah, her own well. life so she could get away from you. Like these are the messages that Satan tries to start having me believe again, that right. I'm a reject. Your own wife <laughs> you know, took her life because she rejected you. And so these were the lies that Satan tried to tell me. And through a lot of, you know, again, work that I've done in the past, and in, even in my job at Battle Tested, I've done a lot of mental performance coaching and training and education, you know, that positive self-talk and just speaking truth to the lies. And really that's what it is, is leaning into God's Word, letting Him affirm me, um, about what good I, I am. I am a good person, and I am worthy, and I'm not a reject. You know, and I lean a lot into verses in Isaiah 51, and it just you know reminds me that, you know, God has chosen me, and He loves mm-hmm. me, and He strengthens me, and, you know. So it's been a lot of that. But, yeah, Satan certainly tries to use whatever wounds we've had in the past uh, to, you know, continue to, to nip at our heels. Right. Why? Because he doesn't want to see us fully unleashed living the life that God wants. Yeah. That's it. And I, I've learned to see it as a compliment. Like, wow, <laughs> Satan woke up this morning, assuming Satan sleeps. I don't know. Maybe he does. And he woke <laughs> up this morning and said, man, there's that Blake guy. I got to do something to trip him up today. Because if he's living the life God wants him to live, he's going to hurt what I'm trying to do here on this earth. And I try yeah. to live that life. Like, okay, Satan, I, you're, you're bringing it. Okay, so I must be heading in the right direction because you're telling me <laughs> I'm not good enough. I can't right. do it. I can't go speak in front of that crowd, you know. All those things. Uh, so, yeah, he continued tries to do that. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm much better equipped for those battles now. Wow. Wow. You know, uh, it's uh, it's interesting you mentioned this, like, positive self-talk, right? Because that's kind of the self-help, secular side, quote-unquote, yeah. of, you know, how, how performance mindset and all of that. And a lot of people have a resistance toward that in terms of that creeping into the church or you know, doctrine mm. or theology. And yet I love the fact that you just bridged the gap right there. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because you're coming from both sectors, right? I mean, you're yeah. coming from this more like performance, self-help mindset coach to also, I mean, you're a pastor and you're, you have, you know, a, a deeper understanding of theology and doctrine. How do those two things marry? And yeah. and how how is that beneficial for us in terms of navigating the the painful and difficult parts of our life? Yeah, well, I can tell you one of the greatest things, resources that I just had recently on this topic was Craig Rochelle's book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Mm. And really, that is a self-help book. That is a using positive talk language, but he takes it a step farther, and it's scripturally based. So, Mm. and he goes back and says, well, look at Jesus, right? When he was tempted, what did he do? Did he use positive self-talk? Like, oh, Jesus, you got it. No, he actually used scripture. Hmm. Use scripture to combat the lies of Satan. That's right. And so through that book, uh, I actually have created a note in my phone that tells me um, 
my affirmation. And so when I'm feeling rejected, so that's kind of my biggest, if you look back at life, that's probably my biggest wound is this fear of rejection. Rejection. And so if I'm yeah. feeling that, um, I pull this note up on my phone. And if Satan's chirping the lies, oh yeah, you're mm-hmm. you're not you're not enough, you're not worthy, whatever it is. And I've gone through scripture and I've used maybe uh, four different verses and I read this affirmation to myself, which is scripturally based. So I'm using scripture to combat mm-hmm. the lies that Satan is trying to tell me. And if yeah. that's the strategy Jesus used, why would I not want to use that, right? Mm-hmm. So that's yep. been uh, tremendously helpful to me as far as bridging that gap. So I, I used to speak this the positive self-talk before, but then with that help of that book, I'm like, oh, yeah, why would I not use scripture yeah, to combat wow. those lies more than I have in the past? So wow, really helpful. Wow. Well, and, you know, it goes back to like what you said earlier about hope and how, how um, essential it is for us to have hope and carry that, you know, and, and hope actually comes through perseverance, through difficult things, right? That's what mm-hmm. scripture tells us, right? It's through suffering that produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Right. And hope will not fail us. And we have this hope that is, is the reason we're able to walk through painful circumstances. The reason we're able to grieve unlike the world is because we have hope. And that hope is, is that in the end, no matter what, we know that we win. Yeah. Right. We know the ending of the story. That's powerful. We know the ending of the story. (laughs) That is a very powerful, right. And that's what sets our mindset. You know what I mean? That this is, if we have that end in mind, if we're focused on the end, then it doesn't matter what we go through. We know, okay, Hey, listen, when this is all said and done, if I just persevere and stand the test of time, then I'm going to receive the crown of life is what scripture tells us. And so this is the, 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 to me, optimism, right, should be a part of every single believer's mindset. We have a faith-filled optimism Amen. that says, listen, I know the end of the story. I know no matter what hardship comes my way, Jesus has risen, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. If Jesus can get up from the grave, then his spirit can empower me to get up from anything that I'm going through. And Satan doesn't have to win. He doesn't have the final word. Yeah. And I think that that's the, that's the most important. I love that you're talking about carrying this scripture as the thing that you're preaching over your life to dispel the lies Mm -hmm. that comes your way. It's like the power of positive thinking on steroids, you know, (laughs) with the power of God's word, you know, (laughs) Oh, um, talk to me about this, Blake. You know, we haven't even addressed the fact you have five kids. You have five kids, yeah. yeah. And I mean, well, you know, first of all, ages, what are their ages? Yeah, so they're all, uh, strangely enough, three years apart 23, okay. 20, 17, 14, 11. Wow. Well, with that many kids, that big of an age gap, you, you more than have your hands full in terms of the nuance of walking each one of them through this, of being a, a father in the midst of this tragedy. Um, how do you, I mean, I, you know, and I, I almost hesitate to ask because I, I know that you're, you're in the throes of it, but what have you learned through this process of how to, to walk your kids through this? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. So let me uh, back up a little bit to tell you what's helped me. Because again, I feel and I've seen that life prepares you for more life. And, and so, yes, the the trauma of childhood helped prepare me for this. But more um, specifically, 
Uh, I was living in moved to Chicago when I was 25 years old. Uh, my wife is from this area, and I get a phone call uh, in when I was 28 years old, and it was a phone call that I knew was coming, uh, and it was a friend of my aunt Martha's who lived down the street from us, and her words were, "Well, he finally did it." I knew exactly what that meant. My brother committed suicide uh, when he was 29, oh I was 28. And it's something he had tried for years. Um, wow. I mean, he struggled. It was so strange, David, to see two brothers 13 months apart and yet so very different. And he made very poor choices in life. He, he did lack hope. He lacked a faith. He just didn't believe there could be a God. If there was a God, why would I go through the things I'm going through? He, yeah. He had very much a victim mentality. And uh, in a lot of ways, the choices he made in life, I saw the repercussions of those, and it drove me to do different. He, in many ways, showed me what not to do. Sometimes yeah. we have those role models, and he was that for me. But I had walked through that already. I'd walked through that loss. It was devastating. Even though I knew it was coming, it was heartbreaking to lose my brother, the the one family member that for my birth family that I'd grown up with and lived with, yeah. and um, it was hard. And I tried to be strong for my family, and I was for a while until a, about a week goes by and I got to grieve. But anyway, I'd walked through all that, and that helped me be better prepared to walk my kids through what they're going through now. And with five kids, you're right, there's been differences in the ways that they grieve and the ways that they feel. Uh, some to this day are very angry at mom for what she did. Um, some are more heartbroken and just miss, miss, miss. I miss mom. <clears throat> but it's wow. trying to acknowledge everyone's pain and feelings as valid, right? It's, it's what they feel. Yep. yep. And what you feel is is your reality. Uh, your your memories of mom, whatever they are, good or bad, that's your reality. Mm. And helping them just feel what they want to feel. Of course, I've helped every one of them get into counseling if they want. The oldest one is the only one who hasn't gone through any formal uh, therapy yet, but I think his time's coming. He just recently got married uh, a couple of months ago, so that was exciting, and he's got a great <clears throat> young gal to lean into. And, and her family's awesome as well. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So it has been that... Um, Going using my past experience to help my kids navigate yeah. this season. And again, life prepares you for more life. And yeah. Lord, I hope there's not another one in my, in my life. Like I, I told my kids, this is the hardest thing you'll ever go through, and, it, and, and you're getting through it. And there's probably nothing in life you'll face that will be this difficult now. And so yeah. you can rest in that. And I sure hope that's true. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine something worse. But um, I know. Yeah, it's... What has been neat to see, Davey, is when we experienced this trauma, how those left behind rally around each other, right? I mean, these yeah. kids, uh, when I get down, they rally around me. When one of the siblings wow. gets down, they rally around them. I mean, they just have been seeking to serve and comfort each other. And that's yeah. been incredible. It's yeah. been incredible. And thankfully as well, and I would say this to anyone who's lost someone, it's not all on you to provide that healing, to provide that help. You know, yeah. Yes, a good counselor or therapist, but just like the story in the Bible where 
the friends of the paralyzed man carried him on his mat to get him to Jesus. Mm. And it was too crowded, right? They climbed up on the roof and they tore the hole in and lowered him down. Like all through my life, I've been a mat carrier. That was that was mm. my MO. My my desire yeah. is to help people get from where they are to where they dream. That's what I do. Mm. And now I find myself on the mat, unlike wow. any other time in my life. And it is a very different perspective. Wow. And initially, when all these people from Mission Church and family friends rallied around us, asking to do this, that, and service in these ways, you know what I initially did? I initially said, no, nah, I got this. We're, we're wow. good. We'll be fine. I've been through a lot. I can. Thankfully, it took me about two weeks to humble myself and... Mm accept my place on the mat. I still wanted to carry someone's mat, and I just had to accept my position. Like, no, this is your season. You're on the mat. You're the paralyzed man, and you are in need of help. Your kids are in need of help. And so it's been so awesome to see uh, the people not just rally around me, but more importantly to me, the ones that rally around my kids, from those in youth ministry, you know, family, friends, uh, parents of their friends, it's been tremendous. So leaning into the body of, of God, really, yeah. To, yeah. to serve us and care for us. Yeah. I think there's there's something really powerful about, you know, both with your kids and like even as in our conversation about, you know, your your role and your position or influence with your wife, you know, there's just something powerful about stepping back and realizing that you don't have control over it. Right. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a, there's a surrender that happens. I mean, I don't know about you, Blake, but I have been guilty of the Superman complex. Yeah. You know, as a pastor where it's like, I'm going to come in and rescue and save the day and say the right words and do the right, you know, and show up for people. And right. And it's part of that. Just you you love people and you want to see them succeed and you want to see them live life to the fullest. And so you think that you can, you can almost strong arm them into that in a lot of ways. And life shows us in so many different circumstances, how much control we don't have. And yet there's something sweet about just depending on the Lord and resting and trusting in him, leaning into the power of prayer, you know, of going, Lord, I have no idea how to disciple my eight-year-old son who lost his mom at 15 months old. Have no idea, but you do. And, and I'll keep walking with them and I'll keep sometimes carrying them on a mat, but I have to carry them to Jesus, right? He's the one that has to do something and trusting the Holy Spirit's work in their life there's something freeing about that. There's something that puts you at peace. You and know? don't you think that's probably right where God wants us, where we <laughs> have to rely on Him? He wants us yep. to, you know, we're, in our speaking series the pastor's doing now, it's, you know, before anything beautiful happens, there's usually a season of brokenness. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we're, we're going to see that and we're starting to see that, but, you know, we're, we're all broken at certain times, yeah. right? There's no growth before there's pruning, you know, and that's right. We go through these difficult situations, and and God makes us realize, okay, I can't do this without you. And that's exactly where He wants us. He wants us to be surrendered to Him and hold things with an open hand and say, okay, it's yours. My my kids, they're yours. Use me as you want. Uh, I'm going to do my best and lean into Him for wisdom and guidance and what to say. And I don't always have the right things to say, certainly. But uh, yeah, just depending on Him and His Spirit to show up and... Yeah. So good. Relax. I had a mentor tell me one time that we grow our kids up 
trying to get them from dependence on us to independence from us, right? That's the the journey we're taking them on. But God grows us up the complete opposite. Mm, we like start that. out in our journey with God in independence, right? We got this. And he grows us up, driving us toward dependence. And that's our journey. I love so that. We're just completely dependent on him. Um, Blake, I wonder, you know, as as we're kind of closing this conversation, it's just been this has been incredible. I, I wonder what you would say, you know, as you're if uh, you're sitting down having coffee with someone who's just going through a really difficult time, you know, and they're struggling. Maybe they're struggling with that victim mentality. They're struggling with that. Uh, just kind of, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to see through the muck of what I'm going through right now to hope for something different. What would What would you tell them? You know, what kind of encouragement would you give them? Mm. That's tough. <clears throat> so one of my things that I do, and, and it'd be a good or bad, it's just kind of my style. I, I, I am a, an encourager. I'll put my arm around you and I'll cry with you and I'll, I'll comfort. But I'm also a challenger. And mm. I'm a, I'm a stick-my-finger-in-your-chest type of person when I need to be. And that comes kind of natural to me. And I hope I don't do it too much to people. But, you know, I had a friend tell me after my wife died and I'm— struggling. He said, Blake, life is for the living. Life mm. is for the living. It's just this reminder of you You will need to move on. If you want to live this life, there will be a time where when you're done grieving, you, you just need to move on. And mm. is that going to be hard? Yeah, it's going to be hard. But I do want to enjoy this life and be as productive of a godly man as I can be on this earth yeah. while I'm here. Yeah. And so I can't let myself wallow too long in in the yeah. misery. And I spoke to someone who, after she heard me speak, she came up and she said, for five years, I feel like I've been wallowing wow. in this, you know, she, she had lost her significant other in an accident. And I was like, you've been letting Satan hold you back for five years? And that's really yeah. what it was. Yeah. Uh, so I like to challenge people's thinking. It's just to think about, yes, there's a time for grieving. If you don't so complete good. your grief, you're going to repeat your grief. So so complete wow. your grief. Go through wow. it. Experience it. Feel all the feels. Uh, but I do believe that too many of us let our feelings dictate our actions. Mm. Uh, well, I don't... Even something as simple like going to the gym, right? I don't feel like right. going to the gym today. So what am I going to do? I'm going to skip the gym. And right. no, we need to just be disciplined. We need to be disciplined mm. to do the things that we know we need to do, whether we feel like doing them or not. So uh, yeah, I encourage people, yeah, go through so that grief. Good. Let's go through it. Let's get our, our counseling, anything you feel you need to do. Yeah. But we need to start moving towards that mindset of, okay, I don't want to allow Satan to use this against me forever and mm. hold me back from being what God still wants me to be. Because even in that broken again, brokenness, God wants to redeem it. He wants to redeem that and put it to use. He's using my story now to help other people. Was it horrible to go through? Absolutely. hate the chapter being written right now, but I know there's going to be a brighter chapter ahead. The end of the story, as you said, it's beautiful, right? I know it's coming. So let me just pick up, you know, move on and do what I can to be better for myself and for my kids and for this world, for God. Man, that's so good. I love that because, you know, your emotions will eventually follow your decisions, right? Mm -hmm. And so many times we let our decisions follow our emotions. Yep. 
But if we if we choose to align our decisions with God's ways, with you know, if we choose discipline, self control, the fruit of the spirit, right? Then yep. then we're going to start seeing our emotions catch up with that. This morning, I was sitting. I woke up at four forty five. Knew that I had to get my kids to school. Sitting there, finished reading my Bible at five thirty. Looked down. I'm like, oh, I really need to get a workout in. I don't really feel like it, <laughs> but I won't have a chance the rest of this day. But I need it needs to happen because otherwise it won't. And I peeled myself off the couch, drinking my coffee. It was so comfortable. It was so cozy. Went out <laughs> into the garage, did a workout. But ten minutes into that workout, I was like, my emotions had caught up. Mm. I was like, this, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. The blood's flowing a little bit, right? But I would have missed out on that almost euphoric emotion happening. And the same thing is true in terms of just about every decision that we make in life to align ourselves with God's ways. Sometimes it isn't, it doesn't, it's not the thing that's comfortable or feels good. But mm. as you get into it, man, as you get into wrestling through your grief, as you get into following after, you know, the different, uh, you know, God's ways, you start to, it's like, oh, yeah, this is, there's an agency here. There's a strength. There's a fortitude that's coming in. I see something rising in me right now. Absolutely. It begins to change things. So yeah, that's awesome, man. I love, I love that. Uh, Blake, where can we follow what you're doing? Where can we, you know, tune in with, with you and your life? You know, I know you've got a book that, um, that, that you've, you've got coming out or it has come out or yeah, what? Father's yeah. Day. Okay. This is uh this is actually my third okay. book, but this is called giant killer winning the battles wow. that matter most where my pastor and best friend, John Peacock, and I write about seven different giants that we face in life, uh, and how do we prepare ourselves to face those battles? You know, talk about, you know, David and Goliath and kind of parallel that story. You know, David went to the stream, found five smooth stones. There were certain stones he was looking for because he knew that stone would best help him in the battle. So if we're going to face the giant of lost, how do we find mm. that stone that we need? What is that stone? And, and how do we go about developing it, really? Oh, that's great. So, uh, so we address uh, seven giants in there, fear, self-doubt, and the like. So that's the latest. So giantkillerbook.com is where you can find all things about Giant okay. Killer. And uh, social media, I'm active on Instagram and Facebook, Blake.Williams.42, which happens to be my favorite number, is where people can find me on, on social media. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us, man. And you know, we're, we're just, uh, I'm encouraged by, you know, hearing from you. I think that that, that just idea of, Hey, listen, we need to grieve. Well, I love what you said there. We complete your grief or you're going to repeat it. We need to grieve well. And at some point we have to go, Hey, we got to get up. Yep. It's time to get off the mat. It's time to, you know, it's time to live this life. Your lost loved one. That's exactly what they would have wanted is yep. for you to get up to live this life. And there's so many times that, I've encountered, I've experienced, I've seen, and I've also seen the temptation in my own life to just wallow hmm. in self-pity and that grief. And yet God's got such a big plan for each one of us. And so thanks for reminding us of that today, Blake, and, and even just exuding that with how you're carrying yourself through this. You're so fresh in this, man. You're so, I mean, you're just a year removed from this. And yet I'm seeing this strength and this courage. I know that you have days that you're, I'm sure, are going, I don't even know what side is up and what side is down. Yeah. But I appreciate you encouraging our hearts through in the middle of what you're going through. Thank you, brother. It's been a great time talking with you. Man, Davey, I'm so I'm so grateful that you got to get to know Blake and just grateful that he shared his story yeah. so transparently with our um with our listeners. And I was yeah. telling you earlier too, I didn't realize if, you know, part of Part of his childhood trauma 
was being abandoned by his mom. So I, I, right. you know, knowing Blake in real life, I didn't even know that a lot of his life has been marked by some yeah. of this tragedy. So the fact that I see him as such a resilient, strong guy is yeah. really incredible um, to me. I'm so grateful that that um, yeah. he was here to share his story with uh, you, yeah. with you and these wasted people. Yeah, we love you. And it, you know, it's, um, I, I, I really resonate with a guy like Blake you know, mm-hmm. everybody has their own personalities and propensities. My background is sports as well. Totally. Right? Like yeah. I grew up playing sports. I grew up in that kind of environment. I grew up with coaches that pushed you, pressed into you. Mm-hmm. I'll be frank, sometimes cussed you out on the field. Like, <laughs> right. You know, and and learned how to um, harness that and, and be motivated or find inner motivations around certain things and, yeah. you know, and and um, and perform on a field, right? I, mm-hmm. That was part of my upbringing. So, you know, so you, because of that, there's, there's so many, I believe, valuable principles that I've been able to extract from growing up that has allowed me to also walk through the difficulties of tragedy. Yeah. And I heard that in Blake as he was sharing that with us. Specifically, he talked about, you know, the value of positive self-talk. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, you know, there's so many te- so much teaching out there just in like if you're, you know, if you're uh, in leadership or business or, you know, sales or whatever it is, there's all kinds of mindset type yeah. Yeah. books and teaching and and, you know, encouragement and seminars and lectures and stuff. It's like everybody's trying to get that edge or that Mm -hmm. advantage in that. Right. And so because of that though, what it can do a lot of times, Aubrey, is it can, it can look like the church evangelical Christianity can take that and go, that is so secular. So psychology esque. It has no place whatsoever in our faith. Yeah. And I just, as I was listening, I was like, man, I really want to hear Aubrey's perspective. (laughs) on this yeah, because I've got some thoughts. I know uh-huh. that you probably have some thoughts. I definitely um, do. I'd love to hear, I'd, yeah. I'd love to hear your you thoughts know, on I, it. I have a, I have a very, I have a very strong reaction to this. There's a, there's definitely a brand of Christianity that wants to say constantly, you're so broken. You're such a sinner. You're so mm. warped. You're so dirty. You're so... Uh, sinful. You're so terrible. And that's why you need Jesus. Mm. Now, let me, let me give a little caveat here. I don't ever want us to undermine sin, right? I don't ever want us to- Yeah, you're not trying to dismiss original sin. I am not- Even the concept of like depravity of human nature. I am not trying to dismiss, undermine, uh, speak unbiblically about that. But what I find problematic is for Christians who are in Christ, who mm. are being made new, wow. that we are supposed to somehow keep going, I'm so unworthy. I'm so terrible. I'm so wow. like, well, wait, am wow. I in Christ or not? Am I being transformed or am I not? Am I a new creation or not? New creation. And, you know? And so that's why I actually think, I think the self talk gets a bad rep because people think it is pop psychology or secular or that it is, it's not Calvinist enough, right? We're not beating ourselves up enough. But I actually, I actually think for those who are in Christ, like, why wouldn't we say I'm, no, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. And and it's not in our own strength. It's through what Jesus has done for us. It's through our union with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I, 
actually, I mean, it it really is a problem to me when we sing songs about how unworthy we are, or we hear sermons about how mm. terrible we are. I no, I'm in mm. Christ now. I want to start living like I'm in Christ. It doesn't mean I don't wow. struggle. It doesn't mean I don't have sin patterns. It doesn't. But like, I'm a new creation. I have a new yeah. identity. That's and so I, I think the power of self talk is that we remind ourselves of the truths of the gospel. That's We're good. not like. Yeah. We're not saying, oh, Aubrey Sampson's so awesome. Right, right. We're saying, like, Jesus has made me worthy. Jesus yes. has, has called me his own. Jesus has yeah. said, I'm his I'm his sister. God has said, I'm his daughter. Like, mm. th- this is there is dignity and there is value that we have because we are loved, chosen, purposed, saved, redeemed. Redeemed, yes. And, and I, mm. I, I just wish there was a, more of a space in evangelical Christianity to own that and to walk in that. There are some churches that do that better right. than others, some denominations that do that better than others. But I think the power of self-talk, I mean, even Kevin is going to sound funny, and me and my boys kind of make fun of Kevin. But Kevin has little notes around the house. One like one by the bed says, put your feet on the ground and say, today is going to be a good day. And mm. so Kevin will get up, put his feet Love on it. the ground, and he'll go, it's going to be a good day. Yep. And yep. that's self-talk, you know, and people yep. might look down on that, but that's for Kevin, that's like a, a game changer. I'm going to start my yeah. day with a positive attitude and assume God has good for me today and right. God is good. His mercies are new every day. Yeah. Come it's, on, right? Like so, that's what, It's yeah, like, what's anyway. the undergirding of this, you know? Right, right. The undergirding, I mean, yeah, sure. If you just say, well, I'm going to just pull my own myself right. up by my bootstraps right. and I'm going to make this, I'm going to will this into a, being a good day. No, you know, that's not. Yeah. That's not, we don't have to will it into being a good day. Right. Because he has already willed it. Amen. Amen. Right? Yeah. That this is a new day, a new dawn, a mm-hmm. new, right? His mercies are new every single day. Every so single it can day. Be, when we live in that, it can be new. Yeah. Every yeah. single day. Yeah. I, I just think, bottom line, we forget that, like, we have a good God who good. is for us. And I think self talk just reminds us of that. We have a good God who's for me. He has That's declared right. these things over me. And, and, yep has a plan for me. And so like, I don't know what, I don't know why that gets a bad rep. I think we need more of it. Well, I think, yeah, you're right. And I think that, uh, you know, I see way more prevalent than a, than a Christian haughtiness or arrogance. I see more prevalent than that, a, a shame, mm. a condemnation. Yes, Davey. That people are walking around with, they're, con- mm. they're, they're hanging on to. It's mm-hmm. like a, you know, it's like the barnacles that just kind of keep just yeah. you know, keeps them really yeah. forlorn. And man, there is no there there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. As Romans tells us, and Amen. I think you nailed it on the head, right? I, when you said the that new creation, the the actual word for new creation is um, it, it's pro, it's basically the word we get prototype. Mm. That's the the Greek word there, and a prototype is the first of something. Wow! So this is not like a new creation is not speaking to this idea of, well, you were this old thing and it and it was like transformed into mm. kind of a newer version of this old thing. Mm. That's not what it's saying. It's mm. saying there is a there is a actual new version, a first, a prototype. Yeah. Of who you are yeah. in Christ, right? Amen. Amen. So literally, the old—that's why it reemphasized the old is gone. Yes, <laughs> the gone. new has come, right? Mm-hmm. And so that old, 
man, that old woman that was mm-hmm. steeped in original sin and in total depravity is right. gone because of the right. power of Jesus's blood shed on the cross Amen. and because of the power of the empty tomb, the resurrection yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. That right there should inform the way that we live and show up and view the world. Mm-hmm. Right? I heard somebody once say that they like, they feel like they're learning they're learning they have spent so much of their life living in their quote unquote Adam identity mm. and they're now learning to live in their Christ identity. And I think that's kind of that same concept. That's like it. you're no longer in Adam. You're in that's Christ. Right. You know, so it's a right. different I like that. That prototype. Brand new. Brand new. Mm. Brand new. It's good. Yeah. And it has so much it has a huge place for us in healing. Mm. Yeah. Informing us of this, right? Yeah. That, I mean Christian, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Yeah. And so I don't want to, I mean, this, I I feel like this seems kind of trite or like, but it, because Jesus got up from the grave, think about the implications of that, Mm. right? The worst enemy that mankind, that humankind has is death. Yeah. Right. Sin that results in death. That is the worst enemy. Yeah. And Jesus defeated the worst enemy. Mm. So any other enemy that comes against you, meaning any other trauma, any other tragedy, any other major life transition, that is a lesser enemy than what Jesus has already defeated. Wow. So by good, virtue, Davey. he has defeated that enemy. That's right, good, Davey. Yeah. And I think that, that to, to step into the spiritual nature of what's going on in your trauma is extremely important. Mm. And you're not by doing quote unquote positive self-talk, as long as it is steeped in scripture and steeped right. in who Christ is saying you are in right. him, you are you are not reducing <laughs> the what Jesus has done on the cross. Wow. And the, yeah. You're not, you're not, it's not, you are, you are declaring over mm. your life what Jesus has already declared over you. And That's so wow. I just, I think that we just lose sight of the spiritual nature of things in in the physical realm that we live in. And, you know, I was again reminded of that when we walked into that courtroom and there was a, like, we were, we were in that, in Amanda's trial, we were having to be so conscientious of the spiritual. I bet you were. Right? Yeah. And, and that's the, honestly, that's the only way we could have endured what was going on there. Wow. Um, wow. Was being conscientious and and convinced mm. that the battle was already won in the spiritual. Mm. Right? Wow! Yeah. When we are convinced that the battle's already won, we live differently. So true. We interact it's differently. So true. And we show up differently in this world, yeah. and we do these funny things like what you're saying, Kevin does, or he <laughs> gets up and says, "Today is going to be a good Today's day," be because good you're living day. in the spiritual. You're living triumphant. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's right. Um, so, so I just to encourage each one of you guys today. Mm. Yeah, so good. One of the things that we're obviously passionate about here at Nothing Is Wasted is really for you to take back your story, the story that the enemy is trying to steal from you. And uh, we yeah. we want to walk with you uh, yeah. through all the things that uh, God wants to do in you. And so we would love to invite you to go to the nothingiswasted.com website, nothingiswasted.com slash community. We have our community platform there that's free for everybody. We also have Community Plus where we have more resources, equipping, um, yeah. all kinds of all kinds of tools for you to begin right. taking back your story in the midst of right. your pain. Well, you know what's funny? Uh, this is real time 
Aubrey, let me tell you some real-time value of what we're doing right there on the community platform. Had a pastor reach out to me and just, a, I mean, just it hit me so deeply, but they said, hey, we had a, um, a family in our church that lost their teenage, um, their teenager to suicide mm-hmm. recently. Mm. And they don't know where to turn. They don't have anybody else to talk to that really gets it. Do you? I know you guys have people in your ministry who have gone through the same thing. Is there any wow. way you can we can connect them? Wow. And when he said that, I said, this is exactly why our ministry exists. Mm. Like it was both confirming to me. It was like one of these, I, like my eyes just started welling up with tears. I'm sure. Probably a mixture of a lot of different things. Thinking mm-hmm. about that family, thinking about, but also thinking about, we're creating a space, guys. Yeah. Where That's you can right. talk with other people yeah, who have gone through the same exact thing you're going through. yeah, And you can derive really direct, specific encouragement from them. And they know exactly what you're about to go through, what the, the next several months and years looks like for you. Yeah, they do. So, so I want to encourage you, jump on there and start interacting and get to know other people. And um, we're going to keep trying to develop that as we go. But that's the reason that we're doing it. So um, you can connect with us there. You can connect with us at... Um, on Instagram, social media, nothing is wasted ministries. You can connect with me at Davy Blackburn and Aubrey at Obsamp. Uh, we'd love for you to watch on YouTube if you haven't subscribed there. We are also on YouTube, so you can see us. You can see Aubrey right there. I can't. I know. I keep telling you, I got to start putting on more makeup for when we record. <laughs> no, <laughs> no that we're on YouTube. No, just kidding. It's the <laughs> it's the real us. Hey, well, we'd love to invite you to come back next week. Davy has a conversation with Kelly Campbell. Good now, another story of. Man, just tremendous yeah. loss and, yeah. um, you know, God meeting her in her sorrow, deep, deep mm. sorrow, but God showing up with deep, deep hope and deep, deep joy. So we know we know you're going to be moved, encouraged and ministered by her story. So let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davy's conversation with Kelly Campbell Goodnow. I continue to choose and joy and goodness to see the goodness yeah. and I think a lot of that is just the people I was surrounded with my pastor was you know one of the first ones in the door and um good friends from church and um just praying people we had I, I can't even imagine how many people were praying because of social media and yeah. um and I know that that made a difference in in just our countenance and, and what we right. felt and you know, there's a verse in Job uh, where he says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And and wow. I just felt that, you know, yeah. still, still feel that. Just we had, this is something we as a believing family knew. God is here for us. God will take care of us no matter what comes, right? You say these yep. things. Yep. And then you have a moment where you don't have to really believe it and yeah. live it. And by his grace, we did.